0: to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Wednesday, July 3rd the day before my birthday, 2019. This is Shannon and I am here with Brooke to talk about thrillers, because really I can't think of a better way to spend the evening before my birthday than talking about nice, twisty, scary bookities. So Natalia was going to be with us tonight, but she opted out for now. So we each have six books. Lots of thrillers. They make me happy. So before we start, though, I have the usual housekeeping information. You can find us on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. Once you're there, you can like and or follow the page. You can also join our Facebook listener group where you can hang out with us and with other listeners of the podcast. You can get to know the new people we've added, you know, things like that. We would definitely love to have you there. If you hang out on Twitter, mostly, you can find us over there at bistro underscore book. And if you just want to send us an email, you can do that. The address is podcast at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you for whatever reason you might have to contact us. All right. So it's the summer and lots of great thrillers come out in the summer. Not really sure why, it just seems like the best time. So the one that I'm going to start out with is the latest from Kimberly Bell. This is called Dear Wife, and it actually just came out at the end of June. Um, This is one of those books that people describe as like the next Gone Girl. And usually I'm very annoyed by those comparisons because they aren't usually true. But this one actually did a really good job of being kind of a gone girl premise with some extra twists that really help it to stand on its own in this sea of kind of you know psychological thrillers with unreliable narrators that all, or at least many, kind of tread the same path over and over. So this, as I said, is Dear Wife, and it is about Jeffrey. And he comes home from a business trip, and his wife, Sabine, is not home. And he's not super concerned with this at first. She is a real estate agent, she's gone a lot. Um, she's supposed to have a showing later in the evening, so he's you know, thinking that she'll be back relatively soon. But as you can probably figure out, she does not come back and this prompts him to call the police. We are also following a woman named Beth who has just run away from what appears to be an abusive marriage and we're seeing her as she's trying to make a new life for herself and trying to stay at least one step ahead of the people that she's pretty sure are looking for her. So when I first started reading this I had a lot of like preconceived ideas about what was going to happen like there were just certain things that I thought okay yes this it has to be this way and in some of the cases I was right but more often than not I was wrong and I really liked that because it meant that this was a much more original story than I was expecting. Um, There are some scenes of violence that I don't think are overly graphic. When you think about like thrillers, you know, I think you kind of go into them expecting a certain amount of violence and gore. This was definitely not over the top but I think there is some of it there that if that bothers you, you might not wanna pick this up. However, I recommend it very, very highly. It is one of my favorite thrillers of 2019. I loved it so much. This was the first book that I've read by Kimberly Bell. I have some other ones here and I definitely want to read them soon because it is amazing. So once again, it is Dear Wife and the author is Kimberly Bell. It
1: sounds like a really, really good book. I'm gonna have it
0: to look. It was, back. yeah. I was expecting it, you know, just to be like kind of another retelling of Gone Girl. It was so so different than that. There's, can you, if you think about it,
1: there are so many retellings of Gone Girl. But I'm saying that sarcastically because yes. there's not really that many. There,
0: no, they're, but they say there are. Exactly.
1: Or um, what's the other one? Um, Girl, Girl on the train.
0: The train. Yes.
1: Is another Yeah, I think you need to find like, some books new to
0: comparisons. Yeah, I need to find some new like standards, I think, to compare to.
1: I think I agree.
0: What is first up? What is first up for you?
1: So, the first book I'm going to talk about is The Rumor by Leslie Cara. And this book is about a woman named Joanna. And Joanna has just moved with her son, Alfie, back to where she grew up as her son was being bullied in his previous school, and she felt that by moving to the place where she grew up, so closer to her mother, that maybe Alfie could have a better little bit of a new start. So Alfie has been at this school for a little bit of time, and he's really not making a lot of friends. So Joanna decides that she's going to try and... Get to know the parents of some of the children. That way, maybe Alfie can meet some new people. But her way of getting to know the parents is probably not the best idea. But what she knows is she joins <laughs> in on some gossip. She happens to drop some information that a former child killer has just moved to the town and that she is living under a new name. So this happens to be true and the person finds out and really isn't too happy that this rumor is going around. Well some interesting things start happening and a lot of fingers get pointed because people in the town don't really know who this person is because they don't know her new name. So a lot of people are getting bad thoughts about them that really they didn't deserve to be thought that way um so a lot of you're learning a lot about different things that people are hiding within the town and there's a lot of suspicious things going on i can't really share much more because that just kind of give it away but it's a really great great book it's the rumor by leslie cara
0: i think that's her debut and i did really really enjoy it um
1: I I did. I was, I liked it. And it was a twisty end. Like I did not expect that.
0: No, no. I was very surprised by the ending, which of course is a great thing.
1: Those are some of the best thrillers when you're kind of like, what?
0: Yes. Like what, what happened? (laughs) I agree. So my next pick is the second novel from author Christina Alger. And at the time that we're recording this, it just actually came out yesterday. So this is called Girls Like Us. It is a quick little thriller. Um, I believe in audio, if you read that way, it is just a little bit over eight hours. So it's definitely not a super long book. But it's the story of, of Nell Flynn, who is an FBI agent who goes back to Long Island, where she grew up after her father's death in what seems like a motorcycle accident. And as she's going through her father's personal effects and talking to the people who worked on the police force with her father, she begins to have some questions, not only about how he died, but also about some of the most recent cases that he was working on. Apparently, a young woman disappeared the summer before Um, Her father died, and it seemed like there were some things going on that perhaps shouldn't have been as far as the way the case was being handled. So Nell begins kind of digging into that, trying to figure out what her father was up to. And then another girl goes missing, and her body is found in pretty similar circumstances. And Nell begins to wonder if it's possible that her father was responsible for the deaths of these two young women. Um, I really enjoyed this book, not just because of the mystery, but because of the the setting. Um, I lived on Long Island for about three years and really, really loved it there. So I enjoyed kind of visiting it again through Alder's lens. Um, The part of Long Island that she focuses on is not too far from where I used to live. So I got to kind of hear about places that I knew, like towns and highways and um, just kind of the very specific culture that exists out um, on the eastern end of Long Island. So it was really, really great. I want to go back and read her first novel sometime soon. It's called The Banker's Wife, and I've heard really good things about it. Um, So this, you know, it's not like the most original story. It's not quite in the vein of um, Dear Wife that I just talked about, but it is a very fast-paced and gritty thriller that kind of looks at like the darker side of um, America's police forces. So again, it is Girls Like Us, and it is by Christina Alger. If you're looking it up, it's Christina spelled C-R-I-S-T-I-N-A, and I thought that was notable since I had not um, seen it spelled like that up until this point.
1: So the next book I'm going to talk about is The Good Sister by Jillian McAllister. Yes. So this book (gasps) is about two sisters, Becky and Martha. Martha is running a charity for refugees, and she needs to go out of the country and doesn't know what she's going to do with her young daughter. So her sister, Becky, offers to take care of her. While taking care of Layla, something really sad happens. Layla is found suffocated in her bed the following morning. They don't really know what happened, but Becky was the last one that was found with her. So she has been accused of murdering her young niece. The book starts with the two sisters in a courtroom. And the book is very focused upon the two sides of the story. So we're trying to find out, did Becky do this? And why did Becky do this? But Martha's really not convinced that Becky is guilty of this crime. So she's decided that she's going to try and look into it. So this book kind of deals with kind of the relationship between sisters and how when something bad happens in a family, how it can kind of get in the middle of a family and how they each kind of take sides. Um, If you want to check it out, it's The Good Sister by Jillian McAllister. And I probably didn't give it the greatest
0: description. (laughs) It's kind of a hard book to describe, I think, because not only do we see like from Becky and Martha's point of view, but we also see like Becky's relationships With various people through the eyes of those people. All right. So my next pick is the latest novel from Australian author Sally Hepworth. And I first started reading her books before they were thrillers. Like she wrote a marvelous book about early onset Alzheimer's called The Things We Keep. Um, And I loved it so, so much. But lately, her writing has kind of turned into some domestic suspense. And so this book is called The Mother-in-Law. And it's about a woman named Lucy. She's married, has three children, and basically... You know, likes her life. Um, her marriage is, is sound. There are no major problems with her children, but she does not have a good relationship with Diana, who is, of course, her mother-in-law. So when Diana is found dead in her home, this kind of opens up a huge can of worms and The police have no idea what happened to Diana. Like, was it a suicide? Did someone come in and do her harm? Like, what what happened? And one of the things that really struck me about this novel is that everyone has secrets. There are so many things that people are hiding, and some of them are, you know, kind of small, insignificant things, the kind of things that we often keep to ourselves and then some of them are bigger kind of darker things and you can see how this can work to tear a family apart even a family who for all intents and purposes has good relationships within within it. Um, So we start out when Diana's body is found and then we move back and forth between the murder um, investigation and the years leading up to it. So we see like when Lucy first meets Diana and then we see how their relationship kind of sours as Lucy feels like she never quite lives up to Diana's expectations of her. Um, All of the characters are so very multifaceted. It's hard to say like, oh, you know, this was a, a bad person. I really didn't like this person. I felt like... Even people that I didn't necessarily like had some relatable qualities and I really enjoyed that. It's a a very twisty book. Um, I kind of worked out a part of what happened, but not completely. Um, There were just some things that happened that I really did not see coming. So I highly, highly recommend this. And honestly, I recommend Sally Hepworth's writing just kind of in general. Um, some of her novels are set in Australia, some of them are set in the U.S., um, but her writing is, is so, so wonderful. So if you haven't read anything by her, um, you should really check her out. But this latest one is The Mother-in-Law, and again, it's by Sally Hepworth. I actually just read this book last week,
1: and it was, oh. it was surprising. I wasn't yes. so sure when I first started it, but then I couldn't stop reading it. And then the end was, like, another one of
0: those, really? Like, really twisty? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, those are are some of the best. Um, Is that the first one you've read by her, or have you read her other stuff, too? Uh, No, that's the first one I've read of hers. Ooh, yay. You have many, many good things to read.
1: So the next book I'm going to talk about tonight is The Guilty Wife by L. Croft. This book is about a woman named Bethany and Bethany has a great marriage, but she happens to be having an affair with her famous client. Bethany oh. is a photographer and she has been asked by her client to start taking pictures for a a book like a coffee table book sort of thing and while doing this they kind of fall in love and they start this relationship but they're under an understanding that neither of them really want to leave their current relationships um the guy he is in kind of an open relationship that's what it's actually called where Um, Bethany is not really... Jason doesn't know that she's having this affair. So, while the affair is going on, Bethany falls in love with her client. And she tells her client, but her client has already told her uh, from the start that he's just not interested in leaving his wife named Claire or or their children. And so... When Bethany tells him this, they get in a bit of an argument and they, she ends up leaving the restaurant where uh, they met. And the next day, she finds out that her client has been murdered, which is not a great thing because she no. happens to be the last one who saw him. And she doesn't really want her affair to be found out. So she doesn't really want to go to the police because she's also found out that in the past this client has had a relationship and the person ended up having acid thrown in her face. And she really doesn't want this to happen to her. So she feels that she it's probably best to keep this secret. The problem is she's being framed for the murder of this, of her client. So... In order for her secret not to come to the forefront, she needs to figure out who is framing her for this murder. While investigating, some different things are showing up at her house. And even though she has, her doors are locked and she's kind of got her house secure, like things keep showing up like pictures and dead flowers and just, things that get her thinking, like what's going on. So if you want to know how this story ends, it's The Guilty Wife by Alcroft.
0: All right, so my next pick is the second novel from author Alice Feeney, who wrote Sometimes I Lie, which I really, really liked. And then I read this one, which is I Know Who You Are, and I thought it was even better than Sometimes I Lie. So before I actually describe this, I do have to say that if you are not someone with a very strong stomach, I don't know that you want to read this because there's like this really disturbing scene with someone's head. And then there's also some really terrible thing that happens to a hamster. So if you don't like that, um, just be aware. I don't like it, but I was able to still read the book and just kind of cringe inwardly. But if that's a problem for you, um, you you might want to pass this one. So our main character is Amy Sinclair. And she is an actress who... I don't know that she's necessarily like a great actress, but she's managing to kind of leave her mark on the movie scene. Um, She's married, and her marriage is not great. Um, Her husband has made some accusations against her, and she's really not sure how she wants to move forward. But when she comes home from work, she finds that her husband isn't there. And strangely, his phone is there, his keys are there. There's nothing that really points to like, oh, you know, he ran out for a little bit, or, you know, he's left me for another woman or whatever. It's just, he's gone. She doesn't necessarily want to call the police, um, she doesn't want kind of her own, like, personal stuff to get in the way of her career. And plus, she has some secrets from her past that she's not crazy about people unearthing if it happens that they you know, have to, like, investigate this disappearance. But when her husband continues not to come home, she realizes that, of course, she has to call the police. So she does. And, of course, they start asking questions. Um, you know, they're, they're not convinced that this is just sort of a, like, random thing. They think that something bad has happened, and they start to wonder if Amy could have had something to do with it. Amy is convinced that a stalker of hers is responsible. Apparently, she has been stalked by this woman for the past couple of years. This woman knows a lot of things about Amy's past, things that no one else knows, not even her husband fully knows them. So she wants the police to take a look into this whole stalking thing, but the police seem much happier to focus in on Amy. Um, We move back and forth in time as we so often do with these types of books. So we see um, the present but we also learn about some things in the past that um, are significant. And I'm not going to tell you what they are because, well, that would not be good. But um, I thought this was so, so well plotted. Um, the ending like, totally blew my mind. I did not expect it to go the way it did. Um, it's, it's interesting to me that this was originally going to be titled Sometimes I Kill which is the name of the movie that our um, heroine is starring in. And I thought it was kind of a clever thing. It would be like, sometimes I lie was her first book and sometimes I kill was her second book. Um, But somehow it did not get titled that and it is now called, I Know Who You Are. And the author is Alice Feeney. And if you love dark twisted thrillers, um, you definitely want to check this out. That
1: is another really good book. I read that yes, one a few weeks ago.
0: Yeah, I just read it. and It was amazing.
1: So the next book I'm going to talk about tonight is The Good Daughter by Karen oh. Slaughter. And I know that Shannon yes. is very sad because I got to talk about Karen Slaughter today.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> Karen Slaughter is fantastic. I love her so much. So, this book is about two sisters.
1: Well, at least the main characters are two sisters Sam and Charlie. And back when they were children, their father is a prominent defense attorney and he defends a lot of iffy characters. So, their, when they were younger, their house was set on fire. So they ended up moving to a farmhouse and while living in the farmhouse and while they were making dinner with their, their mother, some bad men came and broke into their house and shot their, shot their mother, then took them by gunpoint, her, um, Sam and Charlie into the woods. Charlie was able to get away, but Sam was not. But I guess at some point she was able to because she's still part of the book. So with this whole bad thing that happened when they were younger, it just kind of made it really difficult for the two sisters to be around each other. So Sam moved far away, but Charlie stayed in this town where they live and became a lawyer alongside her father. Well, Fast forward 28 years, and Charlie is witnessed, witnesses a shooting at a school, and being who she is, she runs in and tries to help the victims, and they end up that this young woman with a intellectual disability, she is found with a With the smoking gun and her father decides to take the case and he's not sure but he feels that this girl just really she can't really be blamed for what's happened and this whole it ends up that sam ends up coming back and helping out with the case and the story is about kind of goes back and forth between what You learn more about what happened when they were children and what kind of what the main details of the bad thing that happened to them. And then you also learn more about what's happening today. And they're kind of trying to work through their problems and trying to become more of a family again. So this book is The Good Daughter by Karen Slaughter.
0: Yes, I loved this so, so much. So my next pick is not my usual type of thriller. Um, I'm not always into things that like hint around horror. Um, there's this new thing that people are doing where they're combining like a psychological thriller and then adding some horror elements to it. And I'm not always a fan. But this one I did really like. It's called Recursion, and the author is Blake Crouch. So, one of our main characters is a New York City police detective, and he's investigating this new syndrome that seems to be sweeping across the country, and it's called false memory syndrome. So, basically, you have your memories of like your actual life, but you wake up one day. And you have all these memories of a life that you've never lived, kind of alongside the ones of the life you have lived. And people do not know what to do about this. Like it's very disconcerting to them. You might wake up one day and you have memories of like being married to another person and having children where maybe in your real life you have never been married or have children. So it's it's very complicated. But a lot of people are driven to suicide. Because of these memories that they have and the way that it kind of wreaks havoc on their day-to-day lives. So Barry is trying to figure out what is false memory syndrome? Like where does it come from? Um, Why can't anyone seem to stop it? So we follow him and we see kind of his need to understand memory not just because of his job, but also because of some personal tragedies that he's experienced and the other Person that we follow is a researcher and she might might be responsible for kind of the Experiment that has resulted in false memory syndrome, but Of course, I'm not gonna tell you whether she is or isn't responsible. Um, You'll have to read it to find out. But this is called a high concept thriller. And I I would agree with that. It's very, very confusing. If you think about it too much, if you sit here and try to figure out like how can you have memories of something you've never experienced? Um, How do we move back and forth in time and affect not only our own memories, but the memories of other people? Um, you You can give yourself kind of a headache because you 're just not going to figure this out unless you 're far more scientifically minded than I am um, but I really enjoyed this i don't i don 't think i've ever read anything that 's quite like this one um it 's very fast paced it 's super twisty, and it 's really smart in the sense that the author does not like, underestimate what his readers can deal with, and he takes you on this really wild ride um, that's just full of things that you don't expect and perhaps have never really thought about before reading the book. So once again, it's Recursion, and the author is Blake Crouch.
1: So the next book I'm going to talk about tonight is The Women by S.E. Lines. And this book starts out in Rome, and there's this this statue called the Mouth of Truth. And if you put your hand in this statue, supposedly, if it lets you out with your hand, then you're truthful. But if you don't, if it decides to close on your hand, then it means that you're not truthful. Well... Samantha's husband, Peter, absolutely, totally refuses to put his hand in this statue. So this book is about Samantha and Peter. Peter is a professor. He's a 40-something-year-old professor that a lot of students, well, female students, are very enthralled with him. They think he's hot. They want to get to know him. Well, he has gotten to know 21-year-old Samantha. And Samantha ends up moving in with Peter a few days after meeting him. And as their relationship develops, Samantha sort of begins to wonder about Peter because she's learning that he has some quirks. And he has a lot of rules, like rules around when you're allowed to shower, um, how long your shower is allowed to be, what you're allowed to wear, the people you're allowed to talk to. But she's kind of wondering, like, she's never really been in this serious of a relationship. So she's kind of like maybe all relationships have their kind of things to work through. But as things progress, she's also getting to know Peter's temper and he's not the most patient person. And so she begins to really kind of question this relationship. She ends up having a child. And after having her child, Peter suggests that she get a part-time job. And he helps her get a job as a creative writing teacher. Well, one day when she gets the class to give all their assignments to her, she's going through the assignments and she finds this anonymous note that kind of says things, kind of to the effect that you're not the only woman and that there are some things that you should know about Peter. But it's very kind of mysterious. Doesn't really tell her a lot and obviously it's anonymous. She doesn't know who's sending it. So she's kind of wondering, like, what's this person trying to say? And like, what kind of trouble are they stirring up? Well figure out more about this story you're going to have to read it because I can't really give away too much more so it's The Women by S.E.
0: Lines. have you read that? I one? need to read this I think I have not you do it, you though. have to
1: read it it was really good oh
0: yes I will add it to my I think it's on my like huge want to read shelf on Goodreads but I need no, to like actually move it up yeah you should move it up Yeah, you'll have to put
1: it it up here like top 10.
0: All right. So, my last pick tonight is a thriller, sort of. Um, It's Only Ever Her, and the author is Mary Beth Mayhew Whalen. So, this is a novel that takes place in a small southern town. And this town is very, very excited because in four days, Annie Taft, who is kind of the sweetheart of the town, is going to get married. And this wedding is supposed to be like the biggest event that the town has seen in years. And Annie is really special to pretty much everyone who lives in town because her past is tragic. Um, Her mother died under really suspicious circumstances when Annie was a child. Um, Her aunt moved to town with her young daughter to raise Annie and allow her to still like live in her own home. So people have kind of a lot of stock put in Annie's happiness. But four days before the wedding, Annie disappears and no one really knows why. Or if they do, they don't want to tell. So we start to see the town unravel as people are trying to figure out what really happened to Annie. And we see this kind of simmering tension beneath the surface of a story because so many people know so many things that perhaps they're not supposed to. Um, kind of like in some other books that I talked about tonight, we get the sense that people are keeping secrets and that so many of these secrets are, are dangerous or at least have the potential to be dangerous. So the story is told from several different points of view. Um, We get to see things from the perspective of Annie's aunt, as well as her cousin. And her cousin has this really interesting job. She raises birds, and then she releases them at people's funerals as kind of a a spiritual sign. Um, and A lot of people really enjoy this. They gravitate toward her and her birds. So we learn about Annie's family. But then we also follow the lives of some of the town's other residents. Some of them have personal connections to Annie. Some of them are investigating her disappearance as part of their career and are trying to figure out like, if this links back to anything mysterious that happened in the town, like you know, when Annie's mother died so many years ago. Um, this is a quieter story. It's not fast-paced and full of action. We spend a lot of time in the minds of the various characters. And so the main thing that moves the story forward is kind of their, their motivations, their thoughts, their hopes, their dreams, their fears. Um, so you're not necessarily going to get you know, high-speed chases and big you know, confrontations between the criminals and the police it's, it's much quieter. It's a very introspective read. Um, I loved it a lot. Mary Beth Mayhew Whalen is an author that I want to read more from. And if you get this in audio, author Jocelyn Jackson is the narrator. And I don't always love when authors read their own books or anyone else's, but she does a fantastic job. She reads all of her own work, and she occasionally reads the work of other Um, kind of southern writers, and she does a phenomenal job. So if you have a chance to pick this up, I highly recommend it, and if you're an audio reader, definitely get it that way. So it's only ever her, and the author is Mary Beth Mayhew Whalen.
1: So the final book that I'm going to talk about tonight is a little bit different. It's The Professor McMurtry and Drake Legal thrillers number one, and it is by Robert Bailey. So this this <laughs> Ooh. sorry, Ooh. Okay. So this so this book is about a professor named McMurtry, and he has recently lost his job. He has been accused of not very professional interactions with a student. The colleagues of his department, they're kind of wanting to get rid of all the older professors. So this whole accusation kind of gave them some kindling to help get him out of the position. Well, while this is happening, McMurtry has also been diagnosed with bladder cancer. So he's dealing with this bladder cancer as well as this professional setback. One of his former flings from the past has come and she would like him to help look into a case. Her daughter, son-in-law, and granddaughter were killed in a crash between their vehicle and a transport truck. Well, she believes that the the company that owns the transport truck that they're responsible for this collision. It was thought that her brother-in-law, sorry, brother-in-law, sorry. It was thought that her son-in-law drove kind of across in front of the truck, but she doesn't believe this is true. So this is kind of sets the, kind of the start of why she wants it investigated. Well, McMurtry hasn't been in the courtroom for about 40 years. So he knows that he, he's not really set to do this. So he goes and he refers her to his former student, Drake. Well, Drake happens to be the person who made his colleagues aware of his unprofessional interactions with the female student. So you've got this kind of bad blood between them. So you're kind of wondering like, why would he refer his former love to this student? Well, Drake happens to be a very good student. So McMurtry feels that he's probably the best person to kind of deal with the case. Well, as the case is going on, the owners of this transport company, they really don't want the case to kind of go too far because they've got this multi-million dollar um, what do you call it merger on tap and they really don't want too much to figured out about this case because it can make them look bad and then the, then the merger wouldn't go through. So they start doing things that are making witnesses kind of change their minds and other things that are kind of causing trouble for the case. So Drake knows that he's in trouble and he needs help but he feels that McMurtry is probably the only one that is going to be able to help him because McMurtry was the one who wrote kind of the evidence Bible for um, Alabama where they're located. So he asks McMurtry to come and help them. So this kind of means that they need to work past all of their problems. So if you'd like to see how the case ends, it's – the Professor McMurtry and Drake Legal Thrillers, number one, by Robert Bailey.
0: Somehow this was not on my radar, and I think maybe it needs to be.
1: It was really good.
0: All right, well, that does it for us this evening. Um, thank you to Brooke for coming on and talking about perhaps more thrillers than we originally expected. Um, since Natalia could not be here with us tonight But hopefully we have given listeners um, Some things to check out That perhaps you haven't already read Which is always a fantastic thing Thanks of course goes out to Christine For all of the editing that she does For each and every episode of the podcast We appreciate it so very much And of course we appreciate everyone Who listens to the podcast each week Certainly would be hard to have a podcast If no one listened to it So thank you so much for spending some time with us and hearing us talk about fantastic books.